0: The news is not all bad.
1: It's not remotely bad. <laughs> <laughs> that that moment when Tulo was, like, calling out the Blue Jays was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, were...
0: <laughs> Sporical quiz for, uh, in a couple of years, for members of the Blue Jays bullpen in 2019 is going to be really, really difficult. And Welcome to episode number 152 of Artificial Turf Wars, warning the Toronto Blue Jays may contain parts of a contending baseball team. And now that you've been warned, I would like to say I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Howsom. Josh, how is it out there in Blue Jays land?
1: Well, they're better for me than they are in Blue Jays land. They're currently <laughs> losing 10 to 4 to the Yankees recording this, so what's could be better.
0: I mean, you know, a couple grand slams and bam, you're back on top. <laughs>
1: I like the way you think. So, <laughs> so the looks very good.
0: To be fair, they have had a long road trip um and on that road trip against crappy and mediocre to b- good teams, uh they looked like a baseball club performing at the major league level.
1: <laughs> hey, they also won a series in the Trop. Mm-hmm. Which
0: is you know like mission impossible in this franchise's history even back when the trop uh, team you know when the tampa bay devil rays were bad they couldn't win a series in the trop so uh yeah that was pretty cool they they slunk slunk in there and were it not for a trent thornton meltdown which seems to happen once per game uh they may have actually swept that series
1: but, of course, they were in the trop, so they, something happened, this, the aforementioned meltdown to stop that from happening.
0: Yes. But still, two out of three ain't bad. That's a uh, meatloaf song from 1970. remember. <laughs> <laughs> but who you really want to talk about, and I really want to talk about, is Bo freaking Bichette.
1: Really? Uh, can't imagine why. He, By the way, he just hit a double, as we started saying this. His second extra base hit of the game. It's...
0: Exactly the start everybody thought Vlad Guerrero Jr. would have.
1: I think it's even better than the start people thought Vlad Guerrero Jr. would have. <laughs> uh,
0: yo, is he is he the epitome of hitters going to hit?
1: Well, right now, I mean, this is ridiculous. He's got nine games in a row with a double, and he's got 12 extra base hits over his first 10 games, which is a major league record.
0: Yeah, like when, when you move past team record or you know record in the last 20 years or whatever else and you just go straight to uh we're yeah that's the major league record for that um even if it's at the beginning of a career it's like whoa whoa, whoa stand back for a second really that's nobody's ever done
1: that no sorry first 11 games yeah and he's the first player ever to hit doubles in nine games in a row so like it, this is just stupid what he's doing right now
0: yeah he is uh fifth on the blue jays and wins above replacement at the moment he's been he's on for late for 11, games. 11 and a half games
1: <laughs> not bad not bad
0: uh yeah and and it's uh i don't even know what the, he he strikes out 20 percent of the time he walks 8 percent of the time none of those are neither of those are you know fantastic marks but wow when he puts the bat on the ball
1: he's hitting 400 417 <laughs> mm. You don't uh, mean. There's no way anybody could have predicted that he would do this. I mean, the most optimistic projections would have been <laughs> that he hits and doesn't get overmatched, and you know, like and he hits you know three hundred with a couple bombs, a couple doubles, not horrible defense at short, not everything he hits goes for extra bases.
0: <laughs> when I get up in the morning, I get extra base hits. Yeah, unreal just unreal so
1: and the, and the home run he hit in this game by the way was just a gigantic bomb 441
0: feet was the tail of the tape that i saw
1: yeah he just has that lean when he when he wants to hit a home run <laughs> this is arc to his back he's not trying to hit the ball on the ground <laughs> now speaking of lean he he has
0: tried some things on the base pass that i think they're going to need to look at uh because he he was leaning literally leaning on one, all of his weight on his forward knee the other night in Tampa, facing a left handed pitcher. The guy was staring right at him and I was like and then he went on first move and he got he got just wrecked by the pickoff. I was like, what are you thinking?
1: (laughs) Um Yeah (laughs) It's not perfect. (laughs) The, The defense hasn't been very good either Uh but it's really hard to care. <laughs> <laughs> if your
0: OBS is over 1,200, we don't care about the rest of it.
1: No, we don't. <laughs> yeah. It's, it sounds special.
0: Yeah. And he's, again, we actually get to, you know, we don't get to podcast the day after everything ended. No, we're actually talking about it as it's still going on and nobody knows what to make of it. So, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Now.
1: I, I just, you know, to Throw a little cold water on this, sorry, everybody, but you know, hot streaks are hot streaks. I mean, they look this is the first it, when it's to start of your career, it looks great, just as when you're ice cold to start your career, it looks terrible. Like Vlad, mm-hmm. um, we can remember that Kendrick Schmelz hit home runs in seven straight games at one point last year, yeah. You know, I mean, so you're never as good as you are when you're at your best and you're not as bad as you are at your worst, but it's very clear that Bo is not overmatched by major league pitching.
0: Right. And I mean, if, if your best is a run where you can hit 400 for a week
1: with everything going for extra bases, not, you know, each row hitting 400 with all singles.
0: Yeah. Well then. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you might get back to that, but if that's the ceiling, Hey, now, you know, some guys thats isn't, they're never going to do that for a week in their entire life. Even in, I'd say
1: that's most guys.
0: Yeah, most guys. I mean even in even in high school, some guys who get drafted never have a week like that. Um so yeah, the fact that he's he can do it at the major league level um means that uh he he has at least the potential to get back to that ceiling if he's streaky. And, you know, if he's if he's a steady player and he turns out that his, you know, his real level of, of hitting is somewhere around you know, three, 300, 400, 500, those magic, you know, old numbers back from before everybody hit home runs. Great. He's a shortstop. If you can stick a shortstop and do anything close to that, he's, well, I won't mention that name until later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was the exciting, good, fun stuff. There's less fun stuff overall. I think, uh, we have Ryan Barucki. Who I keep right. hearing the name Dr. James Andrews.
1: <laughs> Before you move on to Ryan Barucki, I should know you're now officially making some people a little upset. Already. You see, <laughs> when I put the you know, the the Turf Ward Turf force account put out the tweet and then I replied maybe we'll even talk about someone other than Bo. Yes. Andy at Rally Cap said no. he he responded with a gift that said don't you dare (laughs) at baller said why though (laughs) and steven at former steve McEwen, former blue jays plus writer said there are other blue jays (laughs) so we'll
0: get back to another blue jay who has been uh worthy of an update but we have to we have to do all the news that's fit to print here yes we do so the name dr james andrews and ryan baraki have been Mm, closely associated and that's like the thing you don't want if you're a pitcher
1: yeah you really don't um it's bad it doesn't obvious it doesn't automatically mean tommy john i mean it just usually does (laughs) it's bad though i mean brocky's had injury problems for a very long time people this funny thing happens with injury prone players if you're really injury prone in the minors If you're healthy, when you come to the bigs, people don't really notice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those are people who are educated like me.
1: Yeah, so like he had this great run of health over basically two seasons in the minors and into his first appearance in the major leagues, two and a half seasons, seasons even. But he's already had elbow and shoulder problems that cost him a lot of time at the beginning of his career, and then he spent pretty much this whole season on the disabled list or injured list. So not good.
0: No, I think we forget sometimes that pitchers just break that. That's just like the universal truth of pitching and and that the guys that we do see who have long careers have, have overcome some astronomical odds to have those long careers.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I completely agree with what you just said. But it's also worth mentioning that some guys are on the other end of the spectrum where they're just, there are problems with them. And they break and then break and then break and then keep breaking. And I'm not saying that's definitely Baraki, but the signs are not good.
0: Well, and the reality is the most most reliable predictor of a future injury is...
1: Past injury.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, most, more often than not, an injury prone player is an injury prone player. And and then you don't outgrow that, so to speak. So that's a yeah, that's a big downer. because uh, Baruchy would be a nice piece in this rotation, which is completely bereft of pieces at the moment. Uh with, <laughs> with perhaps the exception of Jacob Wagsback.
1: Yeah, I I gotta admit, this one's caught me off guard because I think we talked about it on this podcast, so I said I don't think he should be facing a lineup twice. Yeah, he's proving me wrong of late. And I did, like I said, did not see this coming. He's gone, I believe it's six innings in each of his last two starts.
0: Interestingly, his walk and strikeout rates are almost identical to Marcus Strowman's.
1: Yeah, there's was, was more pitching than that. But yes. yeah, just, but I mean, here's his last few times out. I think the last time I said something was, um, I think it was in the night that started against Boston where he gave up four runs in, in four and two thirds and they were all scored in the fifth inning.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he's since gone five and a third three runs five innings three runs six innings one run six innings zero runs that's pretty good
0: yeah i mean i would i would put that guy if that was the guy every time i would probably put him in my number three slot in the rotation if i had to like i would have no problem giving him 30 starts
1: no and i think that at minimum he's earning his role in the rotation through the rest of the season
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, though a little bit by default.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, every pitcher who's getting starts at this point is by default, but I think he's earning it, though. I mean, like I said, one run in his last twelve innings against Kansas City, who sucks, but Tampa's got a really good hitting team, so and he shut them out. Yeah.
0: Um. We, they've also been using Wilmer Font as an
1: opener. Which We talked about that, I think, when they, when they acquired him. That
0: they, yeah, they were probably going to try that. Um, and it, it hasn't blown up in their faces.
1: Now, the problem with the Jays and openers is that they have a guy who can handle the opener role at the moment. But they don't have the guy that can, can come in after him and keep the score close that well. It
0: is awkward.
1: <laughs> well, especially because, you know, we'll, we'll get to Why? But uh, the last guy that came in and held the fort got sent to the minors, (laughs) Brock Stewart. He came in and threw four shutout innings.
0: Sounds good to me. Uh, Why is he not a member of the team anymore? Well, there are
1: option uh, option games, right? He threw four innings, so he wasn't available for a while. And he's the guy that came in when they brought Zach Godley to the major league roster.
0: Yeah. And we have had a Zach Godley start, and it was against the Yankees and oh, outing. Outing, sorry. And it was against the Yankees and it it went not not that well. Is is not that well fair? Is that too nice?
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe a bit. I mean it wasn't horrible, but it was not good. Uh so Zach Godley's very interesting. Zach Godley was very good. <laughs> you know, two years ago he had a three three seven ERA with one hundred and sixty five strikeouts and one hundred and fifty five innings in Arizona before they put in a humidor and the ball when there was super Bowls.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Last year his ERA ballooned a bit to four seventy four, but he still had strikeout over a strikeout per inning. The walks went up a bit to four point one per nine, but there were still signs of. You know, a, a decent pitcher in there. This year, it's just everything's gone to hell with him. His home run rate has ballooned, his strikeout rate is taking a nose dive, his velocity's down. All the signs indicate that this is a, just a dead year for Zach Godley. But Zach Godley has been good. He, there are no signs that he's injured, and he's still in pre-arbitration right now. So it's a pretty good, no-risk move.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of waiver claim that you want your team to make if they're going to make a waiver claim.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is he. he it's basically like Matt Shoemaker kind of thing. Well, no, Shoemaker's issue <laughs> was injury, not so much that he was ever bad. But guys who have had success in the past and are not that far removed from it—if there's no acquisition cost, why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen the Blue Jays trade for um, some relievers who had. Um, unusually high walk rates or unusually high homer rates. Um, I'm thinking of Jason Grilly and... um,
1: Joaquin Benoit?
0: Yeah. Um, You know, and and some of those things have, have, you know, oh, gee, the guy just went back to what his career norm was. Do do we have enough information about Godley to know what his career norm is? I don't think so yet. So there's there's no trade involved though, right? Like you said, it's a zero cost move and they need someone to fill that slot in the road. Well... I don't know if he's going to fill in a slot in the rotation, but they need innings.
1: Yeah, I expect he will be getting some stars, but just today with getting bombed out really, really early, they needed someone to pick up some bulk innings after sending Stewart down. So, yeah, like if the guy can be good, great. If not, they just release him. I mean, it's it's perfect.
0: Indeed. I'm just watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. get strikes called on him that are not in the strike zone. Still, it's a personal pet peeve of mine.
1: Yeah, he uh, they, he gets so in the bat you're referencing right. The first pitch was a fastball in off the plate, called a strike. So when the third pitch was in that same spot, he had to swing at it. Yeah, and then it was down one, two, and then he got a nasty slider and struck out.
0: And that you could argue that whole lot, that sequence was not set up by the pitcher; that was set up by the umpire.
1: Yeah, It, was it does keep happening to him.
0: Yeah, and I more than other you know, young players. It's like he has a he has a reputation as having a good eye and someone's trying to teach him that, no, no, you don't know where the strike zone is. It's like, no, I think he knows where the strike zone is. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly knows the ones he wants to hit and then he has to expand. Yep. That said, uh, we were going to do a Vlad update because who doesn't like an update about, you know, the future franchise
1: player. And the news is not all bad. It's not remotely bad, <laughs>
0: <laughs> even though he's getting jobbed on these things. um, Yeah, it's it's gonna be fine, I think, for Vlad. Well, I mean, I, go ahead.
1: Yeah, his, his OPS is up to eight hundred three. Yay! He's officially a considerably above-average hitter in the major leagues, and he's twenty.
0: Um, his last 30 days, which are my favorite thing to grab because it gives you, you know, not a, a minuscule sample size, but maybe gives you an idea of a trend. Uh, yeah, his, his Woba is 399 his, uh, WRC Plus
1: 152 Not um,
0: bad. Yeah, pretty good. And, and once again, he's only striking out 14% of the time over those 100 plate appearances. So he's, he's not a free swinger despite all of the calls that we were just talking about and and uh and things being difficult that way he is not uh whiffing away like crazy
1: yeah he's not you know a, an intensely patient hitter either but he makes very good contact and when i say very good contact he had a ball that was 118.3 <laughs> miles per hour for a single or a double actually it should have been a single but he hit it so hard they got past the outfielder you know And that's what he does. He just hits absolute rockets. He's got two of the four hardest hit balls in baseball this season. The other two are Giancarlo Stanton.
0: If someone talks to him as he matures a little bit and convinces him that a little bit more uppercut like in the home run derby can be incorporated into his regular swing, he is going to go on an unbelievable tear. (laughs)
1: This guy is absolutely the limit for him. I mean, all of these comps that came out when, you know, when he was a prospect of Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, and Manny Ramirez, like these stupid, like the best right hand hitters of all time, you can see why. Yeah. That's not to say he will be any of those guys because that's still absolutely crazy to put on any 20 year old. But you can see the talent. You can understand why people were salivating over the thought of this guy getting to the big leagues.
0: Well, you're right in that you know he 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 is a very good hitter in the sense that he hits the ball hard but he hits And he doesn't swing and miss a lot. But that's it. He hits the ball hard like a contact hitter. He's like he's like if you took a uh you know a Marco Scudero style contact hitter who wants to put the ball in play all the time, only he hits the ball like 10 miles an hour harder every single time somehow. Um because his swing is just that fast. And it's like Okay, that those two ingredients together make for a player who's miles ahead of of that Marcos Scudero player who was valuable in his own right. But hitting the ball hard is the key to everything we've, you know, we've expected we suspected that for a long time. You know, um, probably the last 10-15 years we've known that slap hitters don't actually do much, but when you, you know, incorporate the that kind of skill into the hard hitting profile just putting it in the air a little more often is is cra- Is the potential, but again, he's twenty. You're right. He does have a couple of years to figure these things out.
1: Yeah, it sounds like crazy. Someone was putting out a, would you rather have Jordán Alvarez or Vlad Guerrero? Alvarez is having a monster year or you know monster month and a half with Houston. It's like, why are you even asking this question? Vlad is freaking twenty. And, no. all, and you're talking about Alvarez, he's having like the greatest stretch he'll probably ever have in his career. <laughs> like, it, this is such a ridiculous question. I think Alvarez won 75 to 25 in the voting. It's like, the answer should be Vlad and Vlad and Vlad.
0: <laughs> um, there is a lot of, <coughs> sorry, a lot of recency bias, right? People are, are high on whatever they saw today. Although the things you see from Vlad today are certainly impressive enough for me. Yeah, and he's fine at third base, if you ask me.
1: Uh, <laughs> he's fine. You, he's, he's not. He like even got he was thirteen good.
0: errors. <laughs> it's fine. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But again, the, it's 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 not a big stretch for the Blue Jays to suddenly need him at first base instead.
1: No, and the bat will play wherever he is. Yeah. And that 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 much is becoming clear. Indeed.
0: So now we're going to move, I think, to the uh, the most important conversation we're going to have this week.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: Troy Tulowitzki has retired, and I don't believe we've talked about it at all on any of our podcasts because there's been so much other stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, w- when he was let go by the Blue Jays, I, I think we... I was generally down on on that he would be particularly productive, but I did think he would catch on somewhere. I think he. Uh, I, I don't think I thought he was done at that point. Um, but when he signed with the Yankees, what what was your position on how he was going to do with the Yankees?
1: I think I'm on record on this podcast as saying I thought he was the best shortstop the Jays had when he was let go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, which, now, in fairness, they made, did
1: not have Freddie Galvis at that time. True. And Bobichette was still in the minors. So it wasn't that crazy.
0: Would you have argued though, had they had Freddie Galvez? would you have argued that he and Troy Tulowitzki were were on par with one another or that Tulowitzki was still still better than Galvez? The latter. <laughs> so so your your qualifier isn't really helping you here? No. no only in the hypothetical.
1: Uh, I'm just saying that technically it was the better case to make at the time. <laughs> It was still wrong, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um Yeah, I, I blew this one. I, I was way off for basically the last two years. <laughs> I, I've been pushing this one that Tulo was the guy and that they shouldn't be just giving up on Tulo for, I think, since the end of the 2017 season. And um well... In that time, he's played in five games and has 13 plate appearances. Now, he does have an 853 OPS in those 13 plate appearances. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I missed this one. Uh,
0: I think the fact that he was gloating in spring training about how he was, you know, showing the Blue Jays sort of what they screwed up or missed out on. I think that was a top tier moment for Tulo um, of, of, of self-belief. Which I respect. It's it's good to believe in yourself. But I was pretty sure that really there was no way Tulo was going to play 100 games for the Yankees ever. Um, and then as soon as he got hurt with the Yankees, I knew it was over.
1: Yeah. And look, that, that moment when Tulo was... Like calling out the Blue Jays was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like they were, like, <laughs> like I love Tulo, and like I, let's preface it with that. Like I'm obviously, clearly a huge Tulo fan, and I thought he was great, and I was upset when he left, and he was one of my favorite players. But that was ridiculous. Like they bought him out, they're moving on, and they let him go really early so he could catch on somewhere else. Like it was like they did everything for him, and then he's bad mouthing them on the way out. It's like screw you, buddy.
0: And on top of that, they clearly knew from the medicals that. They were doing him a favor. I, I really believe that. I believe that whatever the Blue Jays had, you know, whether it's you know x-rays or exams or, or you know just just rehab history and, and and the people who work with him, I am convinced the Blue Jays knew that um he was pretty much a lost cause barring a small miracle, and they were willing to let some other team take a chance on that miracle.:
1: Yeah, and actually by releasing him the way they did. He can retire and collect all his money. Yeah. He still owed it. Most guys, if they actually file retirement papers while they're injured, they don't get the end of the contract.
0: Yeah, you forfeit okay. the remainder Think of the contract if you say, I am officially retired.
1: No, not if you say it. It's Sorry, if you if actually you... sign papers confirming right. it.
0: Famously, Gil Mesh was did this a couple of years ago. I still remember it for the Royals. He gave up twelve million dollars by officially filing for retirement, and he saved the Royals twelve million dollars.
1: Yeah, this this is the rare case, by the way. Yes, usually you get you know David Wright hanging around forever, just collecting twenty three million dollars a year from the Mets or Prince Fielder, who was taking it from the Rangers, I guess at that point. Uh, yeah, it's people don't usually let this stuff go
0: with a t-shirt where they're wearing a t-shirt that says totally still rehabbing guys
1: <laughs> yeah but yeah Tulo's done and yeah, it sucks like, like I said like I was a Tulo fan and I liked watching him play I mean I liked him watching him play with the Yankees less but I didn't have to see very much of that
0: now here I would agree with you completely is that Tulo being taken from the game by injuries was absolutely too soon even if he had not been a blue jay at the time he was really yeah. a special player and and there's there's still probably an there's an argument to put him in the hall of very good at this point but i think the hall of fame of course is, i mean he really only played 14 years no i don't think he's got a shot no and, and if you look at his peak if there was something around that peak then absolutely Tulo is a hall of fame player and that's why it's so so hard to be one of the greatest of all time in, in, in any sport, but in, in the long season of baseball, that wear and tear, um, taking a guy out of it is sad because it was never an issue of talent or dedication or, or, um, skill. It was just the body couldn't keep up with it. And that seems like the worst reason to not be on the field.
1: Yeah. All and right. That
0: sucks now that you've eaten all the crow i didn't even have to spoon feed you it you just you dove right man i knew what was
1: coming i just (laughs) i just i just just grabbed a fork and just started chowing down
0: now that we got that finally out of the way uh we're going to come back with people's questions which i bet you won't really touch on tori Tulowitzki that much at all Hope you all enjoyed that brief break from us, but now you're just going to have to deal with us again because we're back. And the most important part of us coming back is, of course, that we are answering your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question.
1: Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please?
0: All righty. So number one is my favorite kind of question from precisely 39 feral hogs I actually know that reference but anyway at split letter says who wins Oh, sorry I'm, I'm not even reading the right person's question Jarrett S at jrod19 who wins AL MVP next year Bichette or Vlad
1: I'm, I'm still going to go with Vlad
0: when was the last time we had a co-MVP I feel like that's happened once
1: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I feel like Dave Parker and somebody were co-MVP. I want a co-MVP. Uh, but realistically, I think Vlad is Vlad is the pick. Uh, yeah, obviously. Because nobody else could win MVP. It's one it's of those gonna two. Be,
1: it's going to be Vlad or Bo. I mean, it's not even a question. Just easier
0: that way. Uh, well, the reason I got thrown off by the, by the Precisely 39 Feral Hogs from At Split Letters is because his question also starts, who wins? between Vlad and Bo by the end of the year that's this year in average OBP and slugging.
1: Oh, you go first on this one.
0: I think um, I think Bichette wins in batting average but I think uh, over time Vlad will be better in OBP and slugging.
1: I'm taking Vlad in all three.
0: (laughs) Gonna run the board with Vlad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vlad is clearly starting to hit better, and eventually, Bo is not going to keep doing this. And I, I'm, you know, I think that Vlad's like we took two ninety as the over under on Vlad, and I'm still taking the over.
0: All right. Um, Brendan Panikar actually responded to you about this, but uh, he said, "Talk to me about Derek Fisher."
1: Yeah, this was the, before <laughs> when I. Uh, But the thing I was referencing where all those people were saying, why are you talking about people other than Bo? (laughs) Brendan Panikar was a little different on that one. He wants to hear about Derek Fisher. He did a bomb today.
0: Yes. And he didn't hit himself in the face with a baseball.
1: Which is a plus. You know, it's better than it has been. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Not the only person to get hit in the head by a baseball while playing an MLB outfield this week. So I don't think it's that egregious of a problem.
1: Oh yeah, that Baltimore one was really bad. Uh the the Fish one was just horrible because in the same game where he has to leave from missing a fly ball that hits him in a face in the face, Aaron Sanchez and Joe Genie come by on a no-hitter in Houston. Oh, the optics could not have been worse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Who won but, the uh, trade? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean the skills that Fisher has have been on display, right? And I don't mean Getting hit in the face with baseballs <laughs> since coming to the team, he's got two bombs, and he struck out seven times in fifteen play appearances. <laughs> um, he's got power. He's fast. He's not stolen a base yet, but he is fast, and he's going to strike out a lot. And a walk. He's got. He's got no walks yet, but he will. Like that's that's part of his game.
0: The Blue Jays don't seem to care about strikeouts, and I wish they would just a little bit, if you know what I mean.
1: Well, I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, the guys that, well, I mean, they're their prospects and came through the system, but none of the guys that are come up this year are big strikeout guys. Okay. It's almost like the guys that, you know, when <laughs> we've talked about this before, right? When they're acquiring the Teosca Hernandez or Randall mm-hmm. Gritchuk or you know, Brandon Drury is that they're looking for incremental skill gains. And those guys, you know, you, you can get their skills for cheaper and you know, to get rounded hitters who take walks and work the count. It costs a lot, which it did with Derek Fisher. He just happens to also strike out a ton.
0: <laughs> this is the part. It's like, okay, well, those guys were all sort of an on the cheap kind of selection. Uh, But now you have Derek Fisher, who it's clear the Blue Jays feel like they paid a premium to get. And he still seems like he's got a big hole in his game.
1: Yeah, clearly they feel differently. That this is something that is going to be somewhat fixed with regular playing time. I mean, they've said as much, so I'm not really, I'm not guessing with that. And now he struck out a bit in the minors. And... Still been very productive, so I think it's kind of a. We'll take that with the rest because there are guys who strike out a ton and are really, really good hitters.
0: Yeah, it just seems like it's it's been a type for the Jays. I I hope Derek Fisher works out. I do, I just I don't quite see it yet because I maybe haven't seen enough of Derek Fisher.
1: Well, I mean, we only see 15, yeah, fifteen players. Games, players. So it's it's right. definitely not enough.
0: What do we got and next? I would have
1: eight extra base hits in those 15 plate appearances, but you know.
0: Don't, don't show up to Derek Fish. Okay. Um, yeah. What do we got next? Okay.
1: From Joel the Best at Joel222. Not about the New Look Jays, but will the world come to an end if Strowman leads the Mets to a World Series title this season? The Mets, who are within a game of the wild card right now.
0: Yes. After you going on about, and everybody else going on about how the Mets really weren't in it, and I totally see why people would say that, then they won 13 of 14 games.
1: Yeah, that'll get you back at it fast.
0: Interestingly, they did this partially because they couldn't get rid of some of the pieces they were trying to at the trade deadline. So their failed strategy may have turned out to be a successful strategy.
1: Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> I mean, think about it, like if they pull even with Phillies and the Nationals and the Cardinals, those are the four teams in the in the spot. And they're rolling through with a rotation of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, and Wheeler. That's pretty damn good.
0: That is that is uh, a rotation that the Blue Jays would have probably give their left arm to have at the moment.
1: I think that 28 other teams would probably give their left arms to have that, that rotation.
0: Well, leave it to v- Brody Van Wagen to figure something out.
1: To uh, fall backwards into a contending team? <laughs> uh, have you met the Mets? Um, yeah. So to answer Joel's question, by the way, it had nothing to do with Strowman. The world would just end because the Mets won the World
0: Series. Pretty much. I think that you know that would be so wild at this point. Travis Labor at Travis R. Labor. <clears throat> I command you to draft. Draft from these nineteen pitchers, Shapiro says, will come up in three waves, and whoever has the most cumulative wins above replacement in five years wins a prize. Star. There is no prize, only varying degrees of lost dignity. And then he followed up mentioning that he may have only named 18 pitchers. The pitchers are Thornton, Wagesback, Panone, Baraki, Sean Reed Foley, Pearson, Merryweather, Patrick Murphy, Yannisi Diaz, TJ Zoic, Hector Perez, Eric Pardino, Alex Manoa, Woods Richardson, oh. whose name escapes me at the moment, Maximo Castillo. Simeon. S-Simeon, yes, the, only the second Simeon in the Major Leagues ever. Thank you for looking that up for us. Um, Adam Kloffenstein, Joey Murray, and Zach Logue. So you've got it's five Alex years. More, Alex. You've got five years to uh, come up with as much wins above replacement as you can from these three guys.
1: He actually revised it to 10 years because he realized that some of those guys won't even be in the bigs in five years.
0: <laughs> oh, you got 10 years now. Sweet. Go ahead. So, you,
1: so are we going to snake this thing, or do I get the first pick?
0: You get first pick.
1: I'm going to take Pearson with the first pick.
0: All right. Um, I'm going to try kloffenstein
1: I'm going with Trent Thornton then because the rest of these guys, I have no idea if they're going to make the major leagues. <laughs> He's there. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, I'm, well, then I'm going to I'm gonna pick my lottery tickets. Uh, Pardino. All
1: right, Jacob Wagespat.
0: <laughs> uh, TJ Zoik. Patrick Murphy. And uh, is Merriweather? Mer, Julian Merriweather. Why the heck not? Is that my five? And, or I got one
1: more? Uh, <laughs> he said in, in five years. I don't know. And then we'll each go one more, and I'll take Alec Manoa as my one other prospect.
0: Uh, does that give me Sean Reed Foley as an option?
1: Sure, yeah. All right, Sean so, Reed Foley, baby. <laughs> and then the point basically is, right, these waves of pitchers, and to Shapiro's credit, he did sort of mention this, not sort of, he did mention it on, he was on the Fan Five Money on Primetime Sports, and he said, basically, you want, from this group, like three guys to, like, really hit. Mm-hmm. Right, because pitching prospects suck <laughs> I mean, they're really really risky and man, that's why i like my first pick was pearson because he's close and he's awesome but then i went major leaguer major leaguer because they're here they have actually made the bigs and a lot of these guys i would say of so pearson i think will make it but of and merriweather probably too but murphy diaz zoic perez pardino manoa Rudger, woods richardson castillo klopfenstein murray and Logue five of those guys will make the big leagues is my guess. Well, against Diaz like made it, but he went right back down.
0: But there's also no guarantee that when you say make the big leagues it's as a starting pitcher.
1: Right. And of course, you know, Trent Thornton and Waggs back might not stay as starting pitchers, but the general point is it's very, very hard for pitching prospects to last both health-wise, which is why none of us pick Baraki by the way, um, and talent-wise to become successful major league starters. And that's also sort of a case in point of what they're doing, trying to get as many of these guys as they can because hopefully one of some of them hit because some of them most of them won't.
0: Indeed. Um yeah. Sure things, not sure things. <laughs> uh Rob Coates at coats Rob thirty three. Love to hear your thoughts on uh Shai Davidi's article from yesterday. I think it was the sober perspective the fan base needed voice. Would you care to sum up the sentiment in uh, his article?
1: Yeah, so for the most part, he was basically saying what we've been saying, where, like, the Jays' messaging has been terrible. And, like, it's garbage, and it's time to stop talking about cohesiveness and clubhouse culture, and, like, we really like the makeup of these players and start talking about how they're going to start winning ballgames. And it's amazing that they've been focusing on this other stuff. I mean, Atkins did an interview basically right before this article came out where he just kept talking about that stuff. And it's just like nobody cares. I mean, look, the team should care about this stuff. They should care about culture, work ethic, and all of that. All we care about is if the team is winning ball games or going to win ball games. And so, say, like, look, we project these guys like we really think they're going to hit as soon as next year, and we're going to go and fill in and get guys, which Shapiro did say on the radio today. And that's what you want to hear, not this other stuff.
0: Yeah. It's. It- as as ironic as it is, I think of it every time they bring, print up the schedule. It it says, and if you read it, it always says the Toronto Blue Jays in the 20-whatever championship season. Now, what that really means is, of course, that everybody's chasing a championship and there's one on the line at the end of the season. But I am honestly of the belief that the only way you sell tickets is a- and, and get eyeballs on the TV, which is the other important thing. Um, is if that championship season thing doesn't make people snort and guffaw because there's no bloody way it's happening this year. And the messaging that you're talking about does nothing to support that championship mentality.
1: No, it really doesn't. I mean, he also went on to talk about how some of the messaging regarding Anthopolis has just been like ridiculous and he's right. The way that they framed things on his way out, a lot of it was really silly. But basically, he just took them to task for the way they've been handling and saying things. And I think that that's correct. He wasn't saying that the rebuild has been bad or that the moves they're making have been bad. It was essentially like, like they went halfway in the last two years and it was a disaster. And, you know, we were not in favor of that. No. Uh, we wanted to go in or go out.
0: Yeah. And this year um, they got out and it was a right. clear direction. And, and I don't think we've complained about that. We haven't we no. haven't asked why this team is losing ball games because we know why it's losing ball games
1: for good reason. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean it's sort of like all this you know the stuff about Rogers being soft on the team. Well, <laughs> Shy was not soft on the team in that article. He brought fire throughout the entire piece, and uh, it was hard to disagree with anything he was saying. And to their credit, Mark Shapiro came on the radio today and basically did exactly what Shy was saying they should do. It's like Shai gave them a do-over, and they took it. And, so yeah. Good on Shai, and good on Shapiro for trying to listen and change the message. Now, it is on them to go and start win ball games. And he said that they're going to try and get some pitchers and probably go outside into free agency this offseason. He sort of suggested they won't go for trades, but they should be going to get pitchers now.
0: This team is paying freight on Troy Tudelwitzki and is committed to a real salary for Randall Gritchuk. If I'm not mistaken, that's it.
1: And Gurriel is under contract as well.
0: Right, but for less than $10 million a year.
1: Considerably less. So
0: this was a team that was spending in the neighborhood of $165 million to try and field a club that was pretty close to the playoffs uh, and is now spending... $40 $40 million on three guys and then filling in the blanks on all of its pre-arb players. Um, there's a hundred million dollars of payroll. Now I'm not suggesting they go out and sign a hundred million dollars worth of free agents. <laughs> that's And they won't. No, they won't. But if you hear that the Blue Jays got outbid by somebody that they really wanted this, this off season, to me, that's a joke because there's no reason if they have a target, that they should not be able to offer that target hands down the best money deal that that guy's going to get.
1: The only caveat there is obviously that like, if someone says, okay, we're going to give the Jays are deciding, you know what? We want to go get I don't know, <clears throat> insert middle of the rotation starter here. Like some guy that you would think it'd be worth three years, 50 million and someone offers him a hundred million. It's like, okay, you don't want them to be stupid but they should not be outbid within reason.
0: Yeah. I mean, if if somebody offers that guy three years, 55 million, like you just talked about, which is a little overpay, and the Blue, Blue Jays think he's the guy who's going to fill in that slot for them and eat 200 innings, they need to offer him the 60 or 65 million dollars that gets him here. Because honestly, I know guys talk about hometown this and, you know, close to that. Most of the time, money talks. And the Blue Jays have rarely been in the position... Um that they are now that they have the money that can do the talking and gets them nowhere near what we know their budget is, is available from the corporation that owns them and gets them nowhere near the luxury tax, which is the other big, you know, soft salary cap supposedly in in the league. So yeah, I would be disappointed otherwise.
1: Yeah. They've never even been close to it. No.
0: All right. So, uh, we have
1: two more questions, two more questions. So this one's actually in that, Vein. So, with this is from Aaron Puleski, uh, Puleski 29. With pitching upgrades, as the Yankees make it 8 <laughs> 0. Uh, so, he asked this question earlier. Uh, this team could be close to competitive next year. Agreed. Where is the pitching going to come from? Who is a realistic free agent target for the Jays? Jarrett Cole. Realistic, sure. Um, <laughs> I don't think. Garrett Cole is the market they're going to play in because I think Garrett Cole is going to have teams that are good that are willing to pay just as much as the Blue Jays are going to be willing to pay. The guy I really want them to go after and that I think could be had is Zach Wheeler. Hmm. I think, unless Strasburg opts out, I think he's the second best pitcher on this market. You know, despite the season Hyun Jun Ryu is having, I think he's the second best and he's 30. So he's young, he's not on on the downside, and he's you know, he started late. So I I would love to see them go hard after Zach Wheeler. I'm gonna stick by Cole. Okay.
0: All right, and one more question from our Patreon. Yeah.
1: Yes, this one comes in from Michael Warner, one of our patrons, as Greg just mentioned. What position player, currently on the 40-man, would you predict to get traded or DFA'd only to become a star for another team? With a glut of of fairly similar players, I'm thinking someone on this team will become the next J.D. Martinez or Jose Bautista. Who will it be?
0: I think, interestingly, he does not highlight Edwin Encarnacion, who fits his profile better than... um than the other two players because and Encarnacion was in fact DFA uh was picked up on waivers by another team and then ended up back up with the Blue Jays
1: yeah but they you know the other, so JD Martinez was also waived and and Jose Bautista was gotten for a well, catcher yes. who never made the big but so he was traded I, yeah for nothing so that's <laughs> kind of the, the same question applies so what is your answer
0: oh Teoscar Hernandez I, th- I think Teasker Hernandez is waiting to be unlocked by some team like the Houston Astros, who I hope are not in our division.
1: It's a good answer. Um, I'm afraid my answer is going to be Anthony Alford. Mm. He's on the 40-man. That was a question, right? right? I think that with Fisher, Hernandez, Grichuk, Gurriel that there's not a lot of room for Alfred right now and he's, keeps, he's been hurt a few times and I think he's running out of time and I can see him going somewhere else and becoming the superstar that we thought he could be.
0: Maybe he'll play two years in Korea and then come back with even larger upper body.
1: He's not Eric Thames. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, we could dream, can't we?
1: No, I don't. Anthony Alfred would look really <laughs> weird if he was that big. <laughs>
0: All right. So thank you for your questions as usual. Uh, and now it's time to hand out one of these. I think that's the brilliant.
1: So I did good, right? I mean, I would have been-
0: But not really, because um, <laughs> we're not half that generous. A half a gold star. Did you enjoy half the clip? Uh, the Blue Jays have announced that they are extending the netting at Rogers Centre, and in Dunedin at the Spring Training Facility, which would normally deserve a gold star. They're not doing it until 2020, which seems a little weak to me, that you couldn't figure out something on one of the long road trips. I disagree. Uh, But also, they've not been specific about how far the netting is going to go other than, quote, past the dugout, unquote. And that also seems weak to me when... Several teams have gone foul pole to foul pole.
1: I feel so like you, here's, you here's can why make I that disagree with, with, this, with this notion. And I agree with taking time. The problem is the layout of the field and the way that the lines are angled. If you just go foul line to foul line, some people's view will just be looking down the line of the net. And they won't be able to see a thing.
0: You, you believe that the, the thickness of the net is, is going to cause that problem?
1: Yeah, if, the, if, if all you're seeing is straight down the line of the net. Now, OK, you won't not see a thing as overstated, but it'll be a clear obstruction as opposed to looking through the net, which is not an obstruction at all. And anybody who says that is crazy. <laughs> all right. But no, but I, I, that's actually a real issue. And that is why they are taking the time to do it, because they don't want people in the corners to have their view of the plate blocked.
0: Fair enough. Um,
1: so they're saying they're going to extend it, and to a point where they're you know, like, you don't need to extend it to the foul pole. I mean, the balls that hit get hit into the corner. I don't think guys, people, are usually getting hurt on those. It's those screamers that go, you know, like just over the third base bag into the corner, right into the stands.
0: Yeah, that go maybe you know twenty feet, thirty feet past the dugout and and are yeah arcing into the uh, or hooking into the the stands. Um, yeah, I i wish there was a way to put um some other kind of you know clear barrier up uh you know even to the point of of would it help to put plexiglass i know that's kind of weird but you know way down at the end of the line where people would have trouble seeing would it would would that be a better solution i'm open to creative solutions but the kind of vague hey we're going to do that in 2020 to some point just seemed like i don't know half an announcement
1: yeah, I, I, I don't agree. I was just going to get the half gold star because everybody should be doing this. I don't think... You know, like,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not a great revolutionary thing, only it's, for some yeah. reason, being treated like like it wasn't horribly overdue. Okay. Yeah. Do you have, for me, sir, a final thought?
1: Yeah, the, uh, the Jays have actually been playing pretty well of late um obviously as you mentioned some of their opponents were not very good but the hitting like the offense you can see it right you can see where this is coming from and this is i guess you could almost call this a do-over but joe siddle was on the radio today he's you know the voices of the team and he was essentially saying not essentially he was saying that you can't go and get a like a, a good pitcher because you need to see what these young guys young pitchers are. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there are five rotation slots and guys get injured all the time. Going and getting a good pitcher is not hurting you from finding out what these guys are. Most of whom you have a pretty good idea pretty good idea are not that good.
0: Yeah, uh, there is no magic level unlock for pitchers. It, either they you know maintain what they do uh they occasionally come across a new new you know approach but rarely but mostly nobody discovers a 97 mile an hour fastball after they get to the big leagues you're absolutely right they <laughs> they is what they is um and yeah I, I don't know again it's like what would be the worst thing that ha- would happen if you got a pitcher via free agency and you paid him a lot of money, and he was good. Oh, noes. <laughs> what a horrible thing to have happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, it was just a strange thing to say. But anyway, the point is, they should definitely be going to get a good pitcher next year, not just a Matt Shoemaker, who I like quite a bit, and I think we'll be back, but someone like the two we talked about. like just some, it doesn't have to be that good, because those guys are both awesome, but a guy who's actually you expect to be part of your team when you're contending.
0: Um, I would uh, contend that my final thought is going to be that the sporical quiz, quiz for uh, in a couple of years for members of the Blue Jays bullpen in 2019 is going to be really, really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> because so, Buddy Boshers was on the
1: mound in the ninth. Boshiers, gotta say it right. Boshiers. Um, he would be the first one I'd type because I know I'd forget. <laughs> And then it's like Jason Adam. That's his name, right? Yeah. Like like double first name guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, different final thought. How for Players Weekend did Wilmer Font not pick a font as his name?
0: Just like something in
1: Courier? No, no, like, no, like actually just the name of the font, like Times New Roman on the back (laughs) or something like that.
0: (laughs) Because Wilmer Font probably does not get these jokes for some reason. (laughs) Ariel
1: knew. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a better final thought than what you originally had.
1: Yeah, no, it really was. And also, I really, I'm just going to keep going. Um, (laughs) Joey Votos, Joey Votto's. you see it? Does it just say sorry? No, it says who? Question mark. Who's gone first? Yeah. That's Perfect. It's
0: absolutely perfect. All right. Uh, I have been Greg Wazewski at Coolhead 2010. And you have been the very late blooming, apparently, tonight with with your brain, Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 152. And we will talk at you next week.